what's going to be housing hanging housing happen you guys know this is kevin from the card progression podcast everybody we're already in november it's november 1st and well it's two more months for us to bring you incredible bands to the corporate rush podcast in 2022 before we make 2023 even bigger oh yeah so before we jump in i want to thank our sponsor of the podcast which first off is manscaped yep so now it's november 1st halloween is over and you're probably getting flooded with christmas commercials you're probably getting flooded with mariah carey going something like that no one wants to hear stuff like that but of course why not get ahead of the Christmas shopping season? Why not get it all done so that you get away from the stress of it? And if you know someone in your life that could use some help and care for their boys down there, go to Manscaped right now and go check out what they got for you to check out one of the performance packages. Check out the Lawnmower 4.0 because what's that lawnmower going to do? It's going to make them look all smooth and silky. Or just trimmed up and make sure that it does look like the wild bushman down there. It's got skin safe technology to prevent those nick cuts so you're not going to be shaving on there and going, yeah, it also has a 4K LED light so you can watch what you're doing down there and it is waterproof for so for some reason if you're shaving in the shower, oh yeah, it's going to take care of that. I also stand by the crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant. My legs are big. They chafe. I was at a wedding the day before I shot this and those pants were like riding up me, potentially chafing me. Yeah, I had that uh, crop preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant. No chafing this morning, baby. So go and get yourself some of that stuff. For the person in your life that you care about for Christmas that could use some help with their boys down there. Go to manscaped.com, use the code CPP to get 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, go do it. Now in our feature presentation. So, Skaggs, the lead vocals for Outlining Colors on the podcast today. Their brand new Coast is Clear is out now and they're on tour with Attack Attack and Conquer Divide. This was the Electric Callboy tour, but because unfortunately Electric Callboy had to drop off of the tour, this one's still happening. So in this episode, we talk about those good old small venues. We talk about how Outlet and Color, man, I still can't put them like on a uh, specific genre. There's no way you can put them on a specific genre. They are all over the place and it is fantastic. We talk about the new album. We talk about a couple of features. We talk about the features they didn't even use, which is really cool. And we also get an idea about like how the Attack Attack tour end up still being able to make its you know seven eight day run that it's still going to be going on why it's going on the cities that it's going on on top of that why you should check it out so absolutely please welcome skags from outlining color to the podcast are you guys ready let's go yeah well 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 ladies and boys and girls listeners of the court progression podcast you know thriller records has some incredible bands on there that we've had on the podcast before including our friends in avoid you guys know benny is absolutely crazy and we've had matt mccann from raid city drive on but now we're bringing in number three and who am i excited about this one their brand new album coast is clear is out now for you guys to go and check out and when we release this they're gonna be going on a little run with um let me think attack attack and conquer divide so if you're able to actually go out to those shows, please do because I'm going out to those shows. I'm be throwing it down the pit because who the hell wouldn't want to throw it down the pit to these guys? So please welcome Skaggs from the band Outlining Color of the Podcast. So Skaggs, welcome to Court Progression Podcast. Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for being on, man. How has everything been going in your world lately, especially now that you know the brand new album Coast is Clear has been out for a little bit now? How has everything been? Ha, eh, tongue twister. How has it been on your end? 
It has been awesome. Uh, busy as always, but like it's it's been awesome. The the just response so far has been incredible, and um, we're really excited about it. I mean, I don't blame you for that response being incredible because if you saw the day that you released it on October fourteenth, two thousand twenty-two, it was like. That was the day to release something in rock and metal with how many bands released stuff, but not just released stuff, but released good quality albums too from like top to bottom. It was no matter what you picked, you couldn't miss that day. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Like leading up, uh, you know, we scheduled the album. We obviously didn't know that all of those bands were going to be releasing uh, the same day. And uh, it was kind of intimidating when we found out. We're like, oh, man, we're really going to be like fighting for for, view, for viewership, you know. Um, but it, it seemed to be that we, we got we're in the conversation with like a lot of bands that we've looked up to, you know, since we started making music like we came as Romans and, you know, bands like that. And it's it's just it's really cool. It's really rad. We love it. Yeah, because, yeah, We Came As Romans came out with an album on October 14th. I know Nothing More did. Lorna Shore, Varials. And I can see where you're coming from, too, where it's just all the albums that were coming out on that day. Yeah, you might have to fight through some of that noise. But on the flip side, the amount of attention that was on all the new albums coming out that day based on how many were coming out. So everyone wanted to get a taste of what was new that was coming out. So you guys always being in that conversation had to bring so many more people to Outlining Color to listen to your guys' music and get a taste of, if they haven't heard you before, what to expect and what you guys are all about. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like, uh, I mean, Spotify plays aren't everything, but we've never had more Spotify plays than we do right now, and it's it's just wild. <laughs> it's it's wild, and you're right; they aren't everything. I mean, everyone uses them as like a major metric nowadays, where oh, you have to have this much sure. Spotify monthly listeners, or your songs have to have this many streams. But on the same point in time, too, I've had this conversation with multiple people before, and I might, I'm wondering if you feel the same way, where you take a look at some of those numbers where sometimes you see one streaming service, like if it's Apple Music or Spotify, where it's so heavily inflated, it's like, oh, that's really cool. Then you go to like the YouTube videos and you see where the YouTube stats are, and it's just like, okay, there is a massive gap here. What happened? Yeah, big, big disconnect. Um, yeah, um, you know, we started out when like MySpace was like the primary social engine for like bands and stuff. And even at that, like bands were just like kind of learning how to use it. You know, social media stuff was kind of new as far as like pushing bands. And it's evolved into Facebook. Like I remember when bands were making personal accounts just to be on Facebook, like there weren't pages and stuff like that. People were just like finding ways to promote. So, you know, at different times, there's been different like things that that equal um like like a trackable metric you know that the i guess like the industry uses mm. to track how big an artist is and like man i remember when it was facebook page likes like i remember when it was youtube video views um right now it's spotify i feel like there's a lot of weight put into spotify uh viewership but um like i said it's not everything i've seen artists that have half a million million monthly plays like not be able to pack a room and um and you know we we've got a, a fair number of plays and like we don't pack rooms everywhere we go you know or even like a lot of the places we go you know like we're a smaller band um so it can be something that i, that I think sheds some light as to like how big of an artist is but you kind of have to like look at the depth you know like how how far does that go back and like is it their most recent thing and they got a good single or is it like you know, this band's been like hitting for a while and, you know, you know, it's, it's definitely relative. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely all relative. I've even seen bands where, you know, you look at Spotify listener count, you know, sometimes two, three million Spotify monthly listeners. You go to a room, maybe about 500 people, and they don't fill it. But I've seen some that have <clears> maybe maybe 200,000 monthly listeners. You go to a room of 500 people, and not only is that room absolutely packed with people, but everyone in that room is heavily invested in the music and... If you're like me and you see a mosh pit, those pits are absolutely bonkers yeah. off the wall. I mean, the whole floor is the goddamn pit. People are being thrown around left and right. And it's like, okay, that's, this is where those metrics are relative, where it gives you an idea, but it doesn't give you the full story whatsoever. Because when you're a promoter, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the band that has all these gigantic amount of like Spotify streams and listeners but can't really pack the room or this one that, okay, they might have like one tenth of the, the listeners, but your, your show is going to be the most popular show in town that whole entire month. Yeah. yeah you, it's almost like, I feel like the metrics are more in line becoming um, helpful for like determining like what kind of subgenre a band falls into, because you can look at like the, you know, like the fans also listen to, and you can kind of find like a dichotomy of like this band came from, this band and this band and they're on this side of the scene and this band is on this side of the scene or, you know, whatever, like pop punk and metalcore and, you know, deathcore and what have you. That also does help. And it helps people discover certain bands that they might not have ever heard of that they would like, but where that also kind of comes in a little bit of a troublesome thing from my perspective is when it comes to tour packages, because as people are taking a look at our industries, are taking a look at, you know, okay, this band is like this band and they want to build a tour package off of that. Sometimes they put in like so many of the exact same kind of music and you mm-hmm. don't get that mix. You don't get that flow. But I have seen tours where all of a sudden you bring in some bands that really don't mix together or you don't think would mix together. You put them up on stage together. And for some That's reason, awesome. <laughs> the mix just flows. My, my two favorite examples of that is earlier this year, the Knocked Loose headlining tour. They had Kubla Khan in support of them. Totally makes sense. Uh, Kubla Khan, Knocked Loose, uh, that's like hand in hand. But in between the two of them, so it was Kubla Khan was first movements how the hell does pop yeah. punk fit in there but the fans absolutely loved it every step yeah. of the way or even that's going to be going on in november and december with the bad omens tour you got make them suffer on there okay that's going to be nuts yeah. but then you have day seeker now day seeker yeah. they have some of the heavier stuff too but it's more of that emotionally driven kind of style mm-hmm. but i can guarantee you every fan in there is going to be absolutely yeah. a day seeker 100 percent of the way so like yeah, even those totally. metrics too, they can potentially mess up some things in the industry to the point where you might be limiting yourself to the amount of sh- like to the type of shows you're putting your putting on because you're limiting yourself to the type of genre or subgenre. Just so oh, we only want these kind of fans here. You bring everyone together, and sometimes absolutely nuts yeah. things happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> That's why I mean it's like I'm like, well, where can we go? Outline and color on tour as well, but um. Honestly, you guys could probably fit in so many different places. It's just like, oh, you, like the tour I go on, on with Attack Attack Conquer Divide, absolutely fit on there. That was supposed to be electric call by there. Boom, fit on there perfectly. Even think like, yeah, if I saw you guys go out with Knocked Loose, I'd be like, if the energy fits, definitely worth sure, it. Sure, why not? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we, I kind of feel the same way. Um, even like locally, when we put on shows, we always try to put together like super weird, like diverse packages. Um just like locally, you know, just like our, our headliners and whatnot, but they're always a blast because we bring like all different kinds of people together. And it's like, nobody's really uh, like afraid of what anybody thinks because it's instead of having like all the metal core elitists in one room, it's like, 
we got pop core people or pop punk people. We got like sometimes hip hop people, like um, different sub genres of metal and, you know, all sorts of shit. We'll just, we'll do whatever. We have this prog rock band that our drummer plays and they'll open for us sometimes. And, um, you know, it's just like when you bring all those different people together, nobody's like really like, oh, is that person like really metalcore? There, It's like these people are just people listening to music and, and they're just here to have a good time. So everybody, I feel like everybody goes harder because like they don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah, you're just in a giant hodgepodge of people that are there because they react positively to some kind of music that's being played there. And feeding off that positivity, that's a connection point. We feed off that energy. So everyone can just get down to it and enjoy it. If you put it like all of a sudden, you know, you got, all right, let's go pop punk, then we go hip hop, then we go metalcore. Uh, that might not seem like it's going to work, but you get the flow in there. You get the energy going. Everyone's having a good time, and everyone leaves the show happy as all hell. And you put on one of the best shows possible that that venue has seen not only that year, but maybe ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Now, <laughs> we've actually now, even had, like, we've had, like, the local uh, the venue tell us that, like, when we throw on those big shows, like, that the, there's, like, a feeling in the room that lasts for, like, a few days, you know? damn okay now i gotta go down to see you guys play a local show that you put together because like if, if, if you're gonna create that feeling i mean every time i leave a show as long as i have a good time and i don't get completely and absolutely injured you know i'm gonna leave <laughs> a smile on my face even if i am bleeding from my like above my eye yeah i still leave with a smile on my face i had fun but now i'm like if there's gonna be somewhere this venue is saying hey you guys come through and for like the next couple of days there's still this just gigantic positive energy in the room you can't miss it I mean, I want to feel that in person. I want to go down there. I want to see one of these shows that just go absolutely ape crazy. Well, we kind of like grew up in this this room. Me and a couple of the guys in the band, we like used to work at it when it was owned and under a different name, like way back, uh, a different owner like 10 years ago, um, but same club. And um, when it got bought, the guy has just like put in a ridiculous amount of money into just making it better and better and better and better. And it just keeps getting better. And they keep like remodeling things and rebuilding things. And uh, it's just really cool because like, you know, we played in it when it was just like a piece of shit hole in the wall, um, like crappy venue. And now it's like really nice, but it still feels like that, that like, you know, box that we used to play in. So uh, I don't know. There's, it's not just us for sure. There's something magic about the room and our history there. But like, uh, yeah, I think there's something really cool about a hometown show. I think a lot of bands can relate to that. Oh, I think they could too. And since that new owner took over and has been really, you know, remodeling everything and making it, you know, a premier destination to go to, especially in the local area that you guys are in, have you seen something like that really help, you know, prop up not only the local music community with all the local bands that are there, but also just bring as many other people together where going to this venue. And if you want to name the venue, go for it. Give them a shout out is like the place to be every single weekend. Yeah, totally. It's the Vanguard Tulsa. It was previously the marquee. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely like helped the local scene like tremendously. I remember when we first started out, um, playing like shows at the marquee, there were lots of like, like local band fests where they put like seven or eight or 10 bands on a bill and every band sells tickets and the promoter makes an ass ton of money. And um, there was just like a lot of that going on when the rooms were like, I don't know. It was like, there's a disconnect because there's like somebody on the room and there'd be like a promoter and the promoter rents the room from, you know, the owner for the night and the staff and like, you know, all that stuff. 
And then they make a deal with the booking agent to like book the touring package and stuff. So basically every band has to sell tickets to be able to like guarantee that the show isn't going to like make the promoter hemorrhage a ton of money, which back then, like there were definitely some promoters that are making lots of money, but I felt like most of them were just like kind of getting by and um, any major like hit to a promoter, like if a show failed could be like maybe the end of that promoter and, and therefore the end of like shows, you know? So back then there was the more definitely more of like a pay to play vibe, I guess. And now that like this guy has come in and taken over this venue, uh, I mean, bands still sell tickets. They're still encouraged to promote shows and stuff. And I think that like, if you're a band and you're asked to sell tickets and you don't even try, then you probably get booked less. Um, but that, that pay to play vibe is totally gone. It feels like the Vanguard is booking its own schedule, like with touring acts through different, uh, agencies and whatnot. And then they're sourcing local talent to support those shows. Um, instead of like kind of a promoter capitalizing on like a local, um, trend of bands you know like at one point in time when we started there were a lot of metalcore bands so it was like promoters were booking tons of metalcore packages because they could be like oh let's just get these five bands together throw them on it it'll be a success and now things are a lot more diverse because there's like this um culture that allows bands that don't sound the same to exist you know yeah yeah because use the internet we'll go back to spotify as well it's and just the just even like you look at the pandemic too is People had to do as much as they could to promote their music online. So you had so many different bands trying so many different things online just to get out there, reach out to. And they're still doing it today, too. And people are just exposed to so many different things, whatever they look at, whether they're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whether they're on TikTok and they hear the 30-second clips of the song. And they're like, I don't know the rest of the song, but I know that 30-second clip and I like it. So just when it comes down to that, it does have more of a diversity to it. But the big key that you said there is like, especially with the Vanguard now, they're able to bring in some larger, more national acts and all of a sudden put local acts around them as well. So now you have the national attention of that band to, you know, bring people. It's like, hey, you want to go and see Outline Club? You want to go and see like Kane Hill? You want to go and see Silent Planet come and play at the Vanguard? Yeah, people are going to know those names. People are going to come show up. And then the local bands, they're going to be the ones that are like, okay, you're going to be on the show. You know it's going to be good, but you want to make it even better? You know, promote yourself, sell some tickets, see what happens. So it's not a pay to play. It's more of a, you're on this, but let's also help each other out too so that we can make this show the best as possible. And then everyone's happy. The venue's happy. The bands are happy. The fans are happy. Everyone's happy. Yay! Yeah, well, enthusiasm in the crowd is contagious too. And it's like, you know, granted, you don't have to necessarily sell a ticket to someone to get them excited. But if you personally sell a ticket, you're almost like, guaranteeing that there's somebody in the crowd that's going to be like excited to see you like perform and the more people in the crowd that there are like if you have a big crowd already you know the more people in that crowd that are excited to see you the more chance i feel like that it is contagious and like if people feel like other people having a good time in the crowd then it helps them get into it too you know oh absolutely i've been in those crowds where 
you know, you go and see an opener and just it, there's not that much energy there. It's not really contagious. It's like, okay, where everyone's just kind of standing around, not doing much. And even for us that people want to go crazy, it's we don't feel like we can because like the energy on stage just is not transitioning over. Mm-hmm. And it feels weird if all of a sudden we're trying to go crazy and it's like whoever's up on stage just doesn't show that they're actually giving that vibe off. All of a sudden the next band comes on. And now they're coming out energy, you know, like, what the fuck is up, Denny's kind of style. And next thing you know, all this, the crowd are like, oh, shit. Next thing you know, here comes that big giant pit in the middle. Here comes my head just going straight into it. And whatever happens, happens. And that's when you get those crazy shows and those crazy openers where you leave the show. And, yeah, maybe you're excited to see the headline or maybe you're excited to see a fr- whatever it might be. But whatever band had that most absolute crazy moment or that crazy set during the show, that's a band you're going to remember when you go home. That's a band you're going to remember when you wake up the next day or driving to work or at work and you want to listen to something. You want to remember the positivity from the night beforehand. Boom. You listen to that band and you're just going to remember. And now you're a fan of that band. You're connected to it. So you listen to more of their stuff. You talk about them. You talk about the positive experience you had. And when they come back to town, you're making sure you get a ticket, but you're also making sure your friends get tickets because you want them to experience what you experienced the last time. Absolutely. Um, I remember... I don't even remember who told me, but like when we first started touring and we were playing, you know, sometimes five, 10, 20 people a night. Um, I just remember somebody telling me that, you know, every one of those people could bring back five people the next time that they come. And um, it's all, de- all depends on like what kind of show you give them. And if you give them this performance, that's undeniable and like it resonates with them then they're going to like you said they're going to tell everybody about it they're going to be excited about it and then they're going to inspire more people to come out and it's like it can really grow that fast but like you it has to be something like undeniable you know absolutely so that's what i'm expecting when you go on the run with attack attack and conquer divide that people are going to go out to the show and see outline and color and that's going to be the thing they remember it's i think like (laughs) one hell of a goddamn show like i'm in for this and next thing you know Go back to the Spotify metrics, monthly listener account. You're going to see the stream start to go up and up and up. You're going to see the streams on Coast of Clear start to go up and up and up. Well, that's that's certainly what we hope for. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about that tour, though, because, of course, it originally was supposed to also include Electric Callboy, and it was supposed to be much longer as well. But, unfortunately, Electric Callboy had to drop off due to, I think it was Nico had some jaw infection that was getting real nasty and just making sure that he was going to be safe and okay and so that he could continue to perform and wasn't going to completely, you know, I think it was mess up his hearing even, which of course, as yeah. a singer, that's something you don't want to miss out on. But so you, guys were, yeah, you guys were still able, along with Attack, Attack, and Conquer Divide, and I think you guys were able to put together, what was it, like, save maybe seven or eight of those days. So how yeah. did that all turn into play or how did that process all happen? Because that was something I was curious about, especially with the fact that, of course, when I see the reschedule, like the dates that are still on the tour, I still have a ticket for one of those days, so it's quite nice to know that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I mean, basically what I'm told, we, we got like, I think I heard from Conquer Divide first <clears throat> that something like was feeling weird about the tour because they had like, you know, just done that track with, with them. Um, and uh they have had like pretty free communication between like fans and then it's just kind of like slowed down which you would think like getting closer to a tour it would like ramp up you know um and i can't remember like what the 
semantics were specifically, but like I was like basically put on high alert that like electric cowboy was like probably pulling the tour. And at that point in time, I didn't really know what that meant um, in regards to like the entirety of the tour, you know, uh, with that, if that meant that like the tour would go away or so anyway, I let my management know um, that like something was weird. And it was like maybe 24 or 48 hours later, like that we had confirmation from our booking agent that they were going to be pulling out of the tour. So at that point in time, it wasn't so much about, I mean, obviously we were like crazy upset about it, but like it wasn't even so much about them pulling the tour was, it was like, what are we going to do next? Cause like we had literally just like put in like an $8,000 merchandise order for that tour. And like, so did the other bands and, um you know it's just like a a lot of logistical nightmares associated with like Mm. something like that happening so um at that point in time we started like kind of digging deep to find like maybe a a different co-headliner for the tour um and we didn't personally have like a whole lot to do with that conversation we made a few suggestions like through management um but like ultimately attack attack determined that um, electric Cowboy was making like, I mean, I don't know if it's like a lot of money for what they get overseas, but like a lot of money for these like small rooms um, or, I mean, they're huge for outlining color, but small rooms compared to like what they're um, used to playing, you know? And um, it was kind of hard on short notice to find a band that like was worth, the the guarantee that they were necessitating and also had the ability to draw you know at least three four hundred people like on this notice um super small selection of bands that work for that and even smaller selection of bands that are available and make Mm -hmm. sense with the tour package so i think attack attack just kind of opted to like not replace them uh and just we i think our team circled back with like the agencies and the agents went back to all the promoters and they just like explained like what was going to be happening. And then based on ticket sales for um, all of the shows and like the feelings of each individual promoter, we put together these like seven dates and there was like more, more um, to it than that, you know, because obviously like if New York is good, and LA is good, but there's no shows between them. It doesn't make sense to have like either one of those shows. So I know that there were like a lot of shows that were like, definitely like some of them, it was probably like on the promoter's end. And they were like, we don't have electric Cowboy, We don't want to do the show. And then others, it was probably uh, situations where like the logistics just didn't make sense for like where we were going to be versus like which shows were sticking and which shows weren't. And there's a lot to it. So, ultimately they determined to do the midwest i think part of it was because attack attack hadn't done these markets that were hitting very much this year or at all um so they made the most sense for like headlining events versus events or shows that or shows uh markets that they've already hit this year you know so that's kind of it just kind of fell into our lap and we're just like well we're super thankful to be like doing shows at all and um, especially releasing an album because this was supposed to be our album release story, you know? So 
Um, we're just happy to be doing anything, and it's still with Attack Attack. It's still with Conquer Divide. It's still going to be really sick. It's just not what we thought it was going to be, and that's cool. But you're just rolling with the punches overall with it, and that's kind of the most uh, commendable thing around there because, yeah, it, it does suck what happens, but the thing that actually was the most intriguing thing for myself was when you talk about rebooking this and, like, making sure everything, all, like, all the promoters were good was when it came to the location around there was the decision to do it around the Midwest, not only with attack, attack, not really necessarily doing these markets, but also just the logistics around there where, yeah, if you have a, a show in New York, yeah, they still want to do it, and the show in LA still wants to do it, but there's nothing in between there. Now, that doesn't make sense, and that's where I right. end up getting next. But when it comes to, like, say even look at the Midwest runs, it's like Joliet, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago, uh, Belvedere, Illinois, which is right outside of Rockford, then it's like Indiana, Cleveland, Ohio, so it's kind of like that Midwest run. Plus, with Attack Attack originally being based out of Ohio, that also does add a little bit more to the mix as well. Yeah, and I know they what... they end at home, like you know, like it. Yeah, it uh, in all the shows are like four to six hours, you know, about from each other. So it's just like logistically make it's easy, um, and didn't require like changing dates, changing venues, because that was a part of it too. You know, like obviously. Um, you take an uh, electric cowboy out of the situation and some of those venues don't make as much sense anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some of them where it was like we were sold the fuck out and like, you know, we probably could have sold three or four or 500 more tickets if they were available. But they could have sold, not us. But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, but like, you know, the venues were, it was just what was available and that was, it was just going to be a small room that night or whatever. There were some like 600 cap venues and there were some like 1800 cap venues. So obviously like the big ones don't make sense for an attack attack headliner, but like a lot of the venues did. So I think that those were the ones that just made the most sense and stuck. Yeah. And the thing that always intrigues me about that is just the decision making process that goes there. Plus it also gives the, us, the fans, a little bit of a deeper look into the music industry, into the tour industry to see how some of this stuff actually works. Because of course you're going to get all the comments on social media. Why'd you cancel our show? Or I wanted to see you guys. Why'd you do this? Oh, they hate us. No, no, no. There's, there's definitely reasons behind it. And trust me, these bands wanted to play those shows. Don't get us. We never never want to cancel shows. We literally had this guy comment on our Facebook page the other day. And it was just like, Thanks for canceling California. You ruined my night. I'm just like, ruined my night too, dude. Like, <laughs> I want to be there also. <laughs> it's like, that could have been the response. And I'm pretty sure it have been like, uh, uh, uh. But you ruined my night. Okay, you already said that once, buddy. And um, we had some fun with it. But now you're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. And where is that getting us? I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. It's like deal with a bunch of sports fans whenever you say something and it's like they say one thing okay you know it's like oh that, that was a penalty no it wasn't you can see it's not no but that's a penalty really dude <laughs> come on man it's like it's like arguing politics yeah yeah just you're basically kind of arguing with a wall at that point I, honestly i could just yeah. turn like start yelling at this right here right in front of me and it's gonna i'm, I'm, I'm gonna end up at the same result i'm just gonna end up yelling at something and nothing's gonna get through to anybody <laughs> but even so you guys do have the new album coast is clear which is out now and again with this uh tour not as big of a tour anymore but 
it is going to be the album release tour. People are going to get a taste yeah. of the album live. They're going to be able to hear a, a majority of the tracks live. Be able to get down to them live, and we'll be able to, you know, get those pits going, have some fun, go smashy, <laughs> smashy into each other, which is something I'm a very big fan of because it's <laughs> to do. So when it came to the whole entire album, the one thing I always like to know about is what was the process like for making something? Also with the inspiration behind it as well, because when I was going through this album, one thing that did stick out to me, I'm like. When it comes to a specific sound for you guys, I really couldn't put my finger on it, which is a fantastic thing because I never want to be like, oh, this is this band is this genre and that's it. No, no, no. If I'm struggling to figure out where can I place these guys, perfect, because that means that there's a unique sound here and I want to listen to it. So how did this whole entire thing come to pass or come into fruition, come to pass, come together, all that good kind of stuff? For sure. Well, like on a on a bigger scope. Um, that's something personally that like I, I strive, um, to do is just to keep things fresh and to like, not be afraid to try things that are like, um, a little like off the cuff or like, um, outside the expectation for, for the band. Uh, I like, I like responses like that. I like when people are like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Or like, I don't like when you release an album and people think they know what it's going to sound like. And they're depiction as to whether or not it's good is like how close what they thought it was going to be like and it is and i just think that that's fucking stupid so i try to do things that like for me personally like feel like new and different and like unexpected um so that's why the album is like kind of all over the place musically um there's like a core sound that i feel like mm-hmm. is ours and it and it travels across like every song that we we perform um there's just like certain things that we like me and john specifically like vocally do that i think that like make the songs like us um but that being said there's like a lot of like genre deviation on that on the album and um uh as far as like the way that it was produced we worked with two different producers um we produced about half with each um, the first half was with uh, Andrew Bayless, and he did like Imposter Syndrome Part One and Two, and Ghost of You, and basically everything that we've done since I've been a vocalist of the band. Um, we wrote about half of the album with him in Nashville, and um, we kind of continued on this trend that we started with the Imposter Syndrome stuff, with just this like I'll write lyrics or I'll have ideas or you know whatever, but we we mostly just go in the studio with nothing and and just like write together collaboratively in the studio and um sometimes we bring in songwriters and we write we we like collaboratively work with different songwriters like this album with andrew we got to do a song with this girl megan patrick um she's like a big time country singer she's mitch tenpenny's wife and like um she's like very successful in her own right but since we were in Nashville, like there's a lot of like country songwriters out there and they're all fucking bored of writing country. (laughs) So uh, we got her to come in and um, she collaborated with us on do your worst. Um, And uh, sorry, somebody's calling me. I'm sending it to voicemail. Um, She collaborated with us on do your worst. And um, one of our managers is the guitar player for the use or one of the guitar players in the use. So we got to write a couple songs with him. Um, we wrote a song with uh, Jack from Sleeping with Sirens. And um, 
uh, one of the guys from Atreyu and um, the singer of Atreyu, actually, Brandon. Um, shoot, who else? I mean, we did had features from Loveless and Michael Slank and Chris Roeder from like Monster of Flames. And um, it was by, by far the most collaborative piece of work that we've ever done. And um, I don't know, personally, I feel I'm all about writing songs by yourself. And I still do it. And sometimes like, like do your worst, for instance, uh, was a song that I had written mostly on my computer, like as like an electronic song. Um, but then I took it to a producer and we turned it into a, to a song, you know? So, I mean, we, we still do some of that, but um, there's just something that happens when you, if you write a song and you're really excited about it, you can like take that song and you can show it to people and they'll be excited about it. But if you take that song and you collaborate with other people and then those people leave the songwriting session as excited about the song as you are, it's like you're out of the gate. You've got like one, two, three, four, five, however many people all excited about that. And even on the band level, like, you know, there's always like somebody that writes the most in a band. That's just kind of the way that it usually works. And if it doesn't work like that, there's like, somebody that writes some songs and somebody that writes other songs or it's usually not like everybody's putting 20% in or, yeah. or whatever. And so like if from that component, it's like, it's important too, like that the whole band is excited about it. And, and aside from any songwriters that you bring into the equation, but okay. uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll say, because if you guys aren't excited about these songs while you're making, if you're leaving the writing session, you're, like, no, you're not all jazzed up about it, then how are you going to expect other people to be as excited about it if you guys aren't excited yeah. about it? And when it comes down to like promoting them and doing music videos and all that kind of stuff, if you're not excited about it, all that stuff is work and it sucks. Yeah. Because it is work. I mean, like music videos suck. Like, like we found this guy that is awesome and and shoots like really fast and it works for us <laughs> but we've done like two day three day music video shoots and they're exhausting and if, if you don't like the song and then you don't like the video <laughs> yeah and and then they're going to use it and abusing the video too either you know you guys or your know, whoever's doing the marketing for you they're going to use that video for a lot of promotion material and then you're going to be seeing that video over and over and over and over and over again and if you're not excited about that if you're not excited about the music it's just going to consistently be this piece that's going to drain your energy going forward. So by the time you do go out and play the songs you do like in that live setting, if you have to play the ones that, you know, you aren't as jazzed up about because when you were writing them, you weren't jazzed up. So everything kind of trickles down in energy. Now that show flow energy is kind of like, uh, it's all shaky and, you know, up and down mm -hmm. in the weirdest places when you can build a set where it's like, okay, you have the high energy office and then you drop it down a little bit. Then you come right back up when you work with that and have it like schematically put out there, it can work. But when it's like, yeah. you know, that energy that you guys are having, if all of a sudden it's with a song that you guys were not jazzed up about that end up getting made and all of a sudden had a music video to it and people are excited about it and then you guys aren't that energy level is so disconnected to now there's just this weird feeling going on in the room and that's the thing that people remember the most is like the thing that stands out the most emotionally so if it's going to be a weird vibe that's going to be the thing that sticks with them but if you guys can leave a writing session extremely excited not only as a full entire band but with the songwriters and collaborators that you work with at the same time as well that energy just keeps going and going and going. So then when you guys go up on stage, you see that everyone's seen the music videos. Everyone's all ready for that song. And you guys go up there and give all that energy. We're giving it right back to you. Exactly. 
it very start it literally starts with the songwriting session you know like if, if you leave that session unhappy like it's just it's not gonna connect yeah and the other thing too is these are your creations make them the way that you want to make them make them the way that's going to get you excited because the songs that have become the best songs especially in rock Bell, the songs that have been hit that are just hitting those especially right now they're the ones that these songwriters are creating from the heart and it's what they want to create it's not this massive formulaic thing some some genres it might be i'm not entirely sure but when it comes sure. to rock and metal the songs that absolutely hit every step of the way my god those come from such real raw emotional places where don't be for like just do what you want to do let all that emotion out because whether it's excited happy energetic you know let's go mashi mashi or if it's going to be like sad poetic really heavy-hearted flow with it roll with it we'll feel that emotion in the crowd we'll feel that emotion when we hear it through our headphones through our earbuds whatever it might be and then when we see you live that emotion just comes outpouring and the energy is just massive whether it's an energy of collective Sometimes collective grief or sometimes collective, let's fucking do this shit. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. Which is why on this tour, I'm hoping you guys play some of those songs that are going to make me go, let's fucking do this shit. And uh, then run headfirst into somebody. You can, because, count, you can count on it. Oh, boy. because when I, even when, And then when you were talking about, too, where this album, you know, you guys were writing these songs and you never, you didn't want this to sound like all inclusive. You just wanted to try as many things as you wanted to, that you really wanted to. That's something that really stuck out to me on the album because I'm even remembering the songs that were my favorites. If you take a look, you know, uh, toss the match with with Chris, like that song. That song definitely goes quite heavy. So of course, I want to be much happier with that because that's the kind of stuff I like. But then you listen to Tear Me Down and it has a completely different vibe. And those are the two songs I'm looking at my notes. Here, I put little stars next to because I'm like, those are the songs that I was just like when I was listening to these things. Oh my god. Something definitely hit on these for me personally. Don't know what it was, but something hit. But those two songs, they're different. Like, they don't sound the same. There's a completely different feel to them. But they both hit on such a powerful level that Mm -hmm. you want to just go back and listen to them, which is what I've been doing for the last half hour before we started this. (laughs) Hell yeah. So I do want to talk about – how about we go to – I just want to make sure I get the name of it right because I had it in my notes sheet. Don't want – I'm going to toss the match with Chris. So how did that one come together? Because again, when that one goes hard, I was like, yeah. yeah it, so how did this one come it's together? Kind of, it's kind of crazy because this album has had like a couple revolving features. Like I have versions of a couple of the songs that have different features on them that we didn't end up like selecting for the finals. Um, and this song, that was one of them, but Toss the Match was actually a song that I wrote with uh, our producer, Hiram Hernandez, uh, in like 2019. We were actually like starting another project um, for me to like be a vocalist in. And um, we were writing songs just like me and him and this guy, Logan, that played drums. And um, we like demoed out that song and it's basically in its entirety, like, two years before we started writing this album i guess and um when we went to go do the second half of our album with hiram in la um we got like a couple songs deep into um like writing and we got to a place where we were like we're definitely gonna have way more than enough time to finish this album and uh we just started digging through like some of the like crates of ideas that we had started like a long time ago and like that song we were like oh man this song went so hard 
and uh we just kind of like spent a whole day just like rewriting it and like changing it up and stuff but for me it was really cool because it was like one of the first songs that i had like really written as like a songwriter and uh it was really cool to me that it, it still made the record you know because it was one of my early attempts at like being a songwriter but um and definitely i collaborated with Hiram the whole whole step of the way but um so like we we basically finished the song and at the time uh when we had first wrote it 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 had featured adam from dropout kings on it um but some of the lyrics like changed a lot um on the newer version of it and adam's part was super sick um it was like this kind of like land in tours kind of like scream yelling like it was like no rapping it was just like rap singing and shit it was really tight but the lyrics were like kind of like um just didn't fit the vibe anymore and um they were like super crazy busy on tour and stuff and i didn't want to like ask adam to like rewrite a feature for a song that he had already done like two years ago um so I reached out to Chris because we had been like, uh, it started out slow, but he kind of like outed himself as an outline and color fan on um, Twitter, like a while back. Like he, he posted like one of his like workout playlists or something and we were on it and um, we slowly started talking. But um, when they were on tour earlier this year, they just like kind of stopped by my place for a couple hours to chill um like in between shows and stuff and um they're super chill and had a blast, blast with the whole band and then uh chris just like rocked out a feature on the road like <laughs> like just like recorded it uh i'm pretty sure in the band um and like his bandmates like helped him like edit it and send it over and shit but it meant a lot to me chris um we we met chris very very early in like mobs uh, career it was like literally the first like what's that tour called thrash and burn um they were on thrash and burn like right when their first ep came out when they signed to rise and they were super young but uh we met chris and he was just like super like uplifting and like nice and um encouraging for us being like a brand new band at the time and uh it, it always like it always stuck with me so it was cool like basically 10 years later to get him on a song with us and have him be like super chill and great to work with and it was just awesome that is an insane story behind there given the fact that it just how it all came together and that a song that you was one of your first attempts at really songwriting end up making it on the record and it kind of makes sense when you listen to the song now, it's just with the heavier vocals out from Chris, it's just like, my God, okay, now this definitely fits the whole entire flow of the song, the vibe of the song. I would love to hear the version that Adam put together, though, what you guys were originally going to go, is just to see the difference behind this thing and to hear how his vocal style with those different lyrics would work on a song like this and just see what maybe like some of those differences are. Because now my mind is starting to spiral totally. and just think, like not only what could have been but what if we had both at the exact same time you know no Just totally i have i have a version of quicksand that has loveless on it and i have a version of deer worse with swank on it um yeah it's pretty crazy <laughs> Oh my god, you guys could basically release a whole other album and just have it be the same songs with different features and just see like, if this is what it also it could have been like. Like the yeah. it's like like the uh, Outland in Color alternate reality album. 
<laughs> if if Loveless doesn't become the biggest artist in the world and not allow us to clear the feature, I don't know, maybe like on a deluxe version of the album or something, we could put those versions on or something. Or what you could do is do like a whole entire EP type thing of just like, and have a deluxe version, just like a five song EP. Okay, yeah, here are some of the other songs that were from this album yeah. that are different. And just have it like come out of like the portal gun from like Rick and Morty. It's just like alternate universe. This is what could have been. Yeah, actually, that's actually not a, that's, that's a pretty cool idea. We have uh, a couple songs we cut from the album, too, that we could throw on that. That might be a cool idea. Uh, if, if you go with it, go with it, man, because it, you guys could probably come up with something crazy around there with some sort of weird marketing thing, especially with, you know, being a part of Thriller Records, too, seeing some of the marketing stuff that those guys have done over there with the other bands. I mean, yeah, I never know what kind of collaboration you guys might put together, but all I know is it's going to be nuts, it's going to be fun, and... It's going to be crazy. You never know. You might have all of a sudden, you know, you jump out of the portal with, um, like, with Benny from Avoid. You guys are just, like, screaming at each other for something. Have Benny dress up as Mor- as uh, Morty. That would be hysterical. <laughs> just get your hair all crazy, too. Go, Just be, like, just go as Rick, you know, start burping everywhere and have Benny. Oh, jeez, man. I don't know. Uh, uh, Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> It could work, man. It could work. Definitely. I wanted to do, or I still want to do a music video for that song we did together. I want to do it with uh, Sean Barrett that just does those like crazy, ridiculous green screen videos. Oh, yeah. I could, is that something that could be possibly made happen, though? Because, I mean, yeah. that would just be, that'd just be nuts. And, especially, like, after the, after the tour's over, give it some time, see what happens. If all of a sudden December rolls around, you guys are like, you know what? I still want to definitely do this. Why not? And then all of a sudden, for the fans, Merry Christmas to us! Exactly. Could totally be doing that. But the other song that really stuck out to me again that was Tear Me Down. And if you compare it to the other songs, like this one has a different vibe to it. But for some weird reason, I still can't put my finger on it. The flow of it is absolutely fantastic. And when I was even going through the whole album, like, this is the song even I put on, you're like, no, this is an absolute winner on the album. So if you haven't heard Tear Me Down yet, um, first, finish this episode because that'd be nice. Secondly, then go and listen to Tear Me Down and tell me what you think. But when it came to Tear Me Down, how did that one come together? Because a little bit different, but ooh, is it nice? It, that, that one we did with Joey from my, my wife sleeping in the house. Um, uh, that one we did with Joey from the U's and, um, oh, what is his name? Um, my name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, Joey has, Joey used to play in, uh, some older like school, like rock bands. And he's got a lot of friends that like came up with him that are like doing like really cool shit now. Um, and, um, that song was written with Joey, one of his friends, and then we kind of like produced the whole thing with Andrew Bayless. Um, but that was like the, or the first time I think that we had ever worked with a song where like somebody had presented us like a really good idea for like a song, and then we like basically like took some parts out, wrote some new parts, like changed some lyrics, and then like remade like a whole new song um 
So like, it was like one of the first times that we'd ever done that, but we were just immediately when we finished it, we were like, wow, this, like it was, it was one of everybody's favorite songs. Like, like management, the label, the band, like that's on everybody's list. I mean, it stuck out to me so much, especially right from the beginning, because I'm looking at my notes right now, like the electronic style that was in the beginning, it has this whole like kind of hopeful feel to it, like hopeful for the future. But when I was listening, the first thing I thought was, why am I getting feels like I'm listening like the same thing that I listen when I listen to Muse at this point? I was like, something is kind of interesting. So, I mean, that just brought me in right from there. But then the verse is cut in, drumming pattern gets a little faster, folks on the snare is mixed in with the lower guitars and the bass. It's like, now we get like the vocals, which are more cleaner, which is mixed with like, feels like Muse once again, but the backing felt like a Chevelle track. I'm just like, I'm starting to throw my mind like back and forth. Like, where is this going? As the chorus comes in, you know, mixed melodic vocals, some more of those rough, clean chanties stuff coming in there. But the backing sound was going heavier than bringing more of this focus to the flowing guitars and pounding drum that mixes like newer style, bring me the horizon into the mix. And at this point, I'm like, where is newer? I'm like, Muse? Chevelle, bring me the horizon. Outline and color. All like, how is this Man. all happening? I, That's I was a trying to wrap for fans of. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to wrap my head just around this track, and I'm just thinking, what am I listening to? But all these different feelings, all these different emotions, all these different sounds. Why is this flowing together so well? I don't know, but I don't want to know. I'm just enjoying this. Like, I was just blown away by it, man. Well, thanks, man. I'm glad you love it. But then also just the the breakdown though I put and then the, you know get the bridge the breakdown which goes nuts I was like oh I love me that shit because even have here going that more melodic on the drums guitars bring this heavier sound song overall with the electronics at the top show more this distorted reality and like a feeling of like torn down emotion but the vocals going unclean and rapid over the top makes this manic feel that we can whatever is in front of us that we're trying to tear us down we can absolutely defeat and I'm just. Don't know exactly again how all this thing came together, how this song flows together the way it does, but it does, and it it blows it, my mind. It blew my mind the first time I heard it. I think part of the reason it flows so well is it's kind of like um, that song. Um, the difference between poison and medicine is the dose. I can't. I think I might be butchering it, but it's the Circus Survive song. Okay. And it's got this like crazy groovy drum beat that just plays like pretty much like it changes up at times, but like it's just almost always got this like really like it's complex but simple and um, it just moves the whole song. It's and I, I think it, it, it moves our song in a similar way. There's just always that backbone of drums just like holding it down. I can, I can kind of see some of that now and I'm thinking about it. And whenever you listen to the drums as well, there's always going to be the backbone of pretty much every single song because everything's going to drive off that beat. Everything's going to drive off the flow of it. And yeah, especially just hearing sometimes when that snare comes to the forefront too. I, I, I love me some snare drum, don't get me wrong. Unless it's like the St. Anger snare drum, then I'm like, nah, I'll, uh, I'll leave that one in the back. But most time when you hear that snare, it's just there's that certain pop to it that gives a lot of energy to a song where you see some of those, you hear some of those like massive snare fills that happen, especially as you're building up in a bridge, like a breakdown. All of a sudden you're going there and just, you know, I don't know. You just get this like massive manic feel of energy and then you go into something heavy, but the focus on this one with the snare, pretty much no matter where you went, the way that it flowed through, it just kept that going every step of the way. So that might be the consistent piece was the snare flow between one part to the next. 
I can see that definitely. It's it's not just like a simple or not. I won't say simple, but the the standard like one and three or two and four snare heads. There's like more like ghost notes and like groove to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's if it was if it was like a standard snare head where you're doing everything on like two and four, then it wouldn't work. But if you have a little oh. bit of that differentiation in there to flow from one piece to the next, woo! Now we're talking. <laughs> So with this album out right now and with you guys going on tour, one thing I always like to ask, especially going on tour, what can we kind of expect from you guys in a teaser kind of way? What can we expect from you guys in a live setting that's going to make us remember Outline and Color when we go see you guys live? Because if you already have tickets to that show, yeah, you're going to see it. And this is why you're going to want to go and see Outline Color and stay for their whole entire set. You're not going to mess out. If you don't have tickets yet and you're in one of those areas... This is going to be the reason why you want to buy tickets. So why should, like, again, I'm giving a whole entire pitch. What are you guys going to bring to the table live that's going to make people want to buy tickets and not miss out on seeing Outline and Color play live with Attack Attack? For sure. Well, um, I am going to be doing a song with Attack Attack every night on that tour. So that's one thing you don't want to miss out on. Um, in addition to that, it always feels weird, like, like bragging or complimenting like myself or like <laughs> us collectively. But um, most recently in our touring, the the people that have gone to our shows have remarked on that, like we have an insane level of energy um, and that like, you know, we're just like genuinely having like a great time when we're like performing. It's like all of our favorite thing to do. Like we've, we've been in pan for over 10 years. So it's just like the, the people that are doing this um, at this point, if if we didn't truly love like what we were doing, it would not be like on any level sustainable because it's definitely not financially sustainable for us. So like it has to like fill these like esoteric like um, needs for for us mm-hmm. to fulfill ourselves. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And it's touring. Most people don't realize this, but touring is actually miserable. Like it's 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 awful playing shows connecting with people is amazing and that's why we do it but like the driving to shows getting crappy sleep waking up super early to drive to another show um getting sick on the road and not being able to get proper care like having to perform while being sick like there's just a lot of things that go on the road that that are less than than awesome and um we definitely wouldn't be doing it if we didn't just truly like wholly love what we're doing. And I think that like with our energy, our energy is almost like a conduit for um, people to feel like how much we like give a shit about what we're doing and not in like a, like we take ourselves really serious way, but like in a, this is the thing that makes us feel like we're like alive kind of thing. And I think that it's contagious, you know, I think that like when, we're not like a super big band either. And when people see us and they see how serious we are and serious about like loving what we do, not like taking ourselves seriously. But um, I think that it it, like in a weird way, it kind of inspires them because like, we're kind of an underdog, you know, we're not a super big band. We've been doing it for a long time and we're kind of at that point where like things could either take off or like, maybe they won't, you know? And, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. If they don't, like, it certainly wouldn't be um, devastating to us. But, like, we would love to take it all the way, you know. We've been we've been going a long time, working for a long time. Um, 
And uh, I think that that's what people take away from 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 our, uh, our 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 shows is that like they they connect with us on a level where they see that like we're good people trying to do something like that we believe in, um, and then they either choose to support that or not or whatever. But the people that choose to support us, I feel like they feel like they're on like an underdog team, you know, and it's like our success is like their success. And, um, you know, they're almost like getting in early before, you know, like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? You, we've all seen it though. I mean, dude, I, I saw, um, Pierce the veil in a room with 15 people when they had a three song EP, uh, when I was still in high school, I saw, um, uh, what's that being? Uh, 21 pilots at the marquee before it was bought out by the vanguard uh they had one opening band that band brought their parents and as soon as they left the band and their parents left and it was me the bartender and the janitor and like 21 pilots like played because it was either play and get their guarantee or leave and get half so they i mean they were still struggling bands so they wanted to get their full guarantee and they had already loaded in and sound checked and dude it was like one of the craziest performances i've ever seen in my life to this day because like they 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 knew you know like they were just like they took it that seriously they knew that they had the hustle to make it work and um they weren't on the level yet but like they they felt like something was coming and uh, man like dude was doing backflips off of his piano and just crazy shit and it, it was just like it was just for us you know like it was really probably just for them you know because like they they didn't even look at us like patrons we were literally staffed you know like, granted like we were thoroughly enjoying like what we were seeing but it's like when you see those videos of like um security guards at work tour and they're just like standing out in the crowd but they're like you know it's just like that they're not they're just there and they just happen to be enjoying your music. Mm -hmm. They're not like there to see your music. Um, so like, I mean, to them, they probably felt like they're playing to an empty room, but it didn't matter. They went so crazy. And, and that I, even though they're like a huge band that, um, you know, some people have kind of written off because they're so big. Like I still have a lot of love for them because I saw them at that super small, humble part and also sky from issues is like playing for them now which is fucking crazy so i mean that's but, cool too that's just ridiculous i a couple of things though when you talk about you know as a like staff from the venue to just like getting in the music and enjoying it, enjoying the show even though those guys are you know not the put in like front of a couple of people but now they're one of the biggest bands in the world they're doing the crazy stuff on there for themselves i mean when you get the staff and like involved basically at the venue that you're at and you get them in the music Things just go nuts because when I saw it was the Bring Me the Horizon tour, I was down in Chicago to see it. When Knocked Loose went on, there was a security guard that came over to the pit to see what was going on. Had never been to a rock or metal show in his life. Never had been to one. Seen what was going on in that pit for Knocked Loose. He was wondering why people did it. He jumped in and was having fun. And he, oh tapped, me on, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, dude, they're going one, go one on one with me. And I'm like, wait, I get to hit a security guard in the mosh pit. <laughs> and not have any repercussions happen to me, let's go. It was just, <laughs> we just shouldered. It was one, two, three, four. I had him out, picked him right back up. He's like, no, I know why people do this shit. And we're like, yeah. So bring the rising goes out. He's in the pit with us the entire time. He's loving every minute of it. It's just, 
no, if no matter where you are, it's just like no matter what band you're in, no matter if you're, you know, a Bring Me the Horizon playing arenas, whether you're that 21 pilots level when you saw them playing just in front of a couple the people of a staff, just if you're giving it your all and you're just going to do it for yourself, do it for the fun of it, do it to bring that positive because you love it so much like that, you're going to make an impression on anybody who sees you. And there's going to be some sort of connection there. You remember those opening bands that put all out, they put it all out there and get the crowd going and get the energy going. First time I saw Avoid, even though I'd known Avoid for a while, first time I saw them, that's exactly what happened. Early, or in August, uh, for Alpha Wolf had like a mini headlining run. They brought this band called Vatican on. Had never heard of Vatican before. We were at a small little venue. They were playing. They're like, the venue doesn't want us to do this, but our stage is your stage. Get up here, stage dive, mosh on stage with us, whatever. And from that moment, I thought, I'm going to remember this band from now on. And I still sure. do to this day. So, if dude, you, guys... and you, ne- you never uh, know, dude. Like, like I said, I saw Pierce the Veil like, in, with, in front of 15 people. I saw them go on to like be like the one and two slot on like tons of tours mm-hmm. before they became like the massive band that they are. And they were always the band that just completely, like, even if they weren't musically or style, they would just steal the crowd, like, every single time. Um, I remember seeing them open for, like, the main and, like, like people, or the main and uh, Mayday Parade. And it was just, like, they, they were kind of, like, a weird band on the bill, but, like, everybody loved them. And, and then, you know, then you had the rest of the bands. And they were great bands, but it was, like, it was absolutely, like, mem- they were the most memorable band of the night. Yeah, so, so that's what I'm hoping for when I go down to Belvedere on October 30th to see that attack attack through with you guys and Conquer Divide. I'm hoping that when I leave that show, my thought process is the energy that Outline and Color put forward, the energy that the crowd fed off of with that was the thing that made us remember the whole entire night. When we look back at all the shows we've been to the entire year, when we look back at the show, that's the thing that we remember as that one piece. Like, okay, what's that one thing you remember from the show? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about the Alpha show. It was Vatican doing that. I think about some other shows, like, um, I'm trying to think of a couple others. Um, like, the, I went to a couple of Trinity Territory shows. One of the ones I went to, yeah, we had a giant pit from side to side for Motionless and White. That's not something I'm going to, like, every time I think of the show, I'm going to remember that. What I want to remember on October 30th, and what I want everyone to remember with that goes to one of those Attack Attack, LA Color, Conquer Divide shows, is I want them to remember, well, I want to remember every band, because I've had Conquer Divide on the podcast before as well. But because I'm talking today, what I want to see happen is I want to see you guys be the one where people leave. It's like outline and color. That was something that I was not expecting. And it was totally worth it. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked. I think, uh, you know, as a, there's equal arguments you can make for probably every position in the set list, you know? Um, so I think playing right before attack attack is like a really good spot for us. Like we're definitely everybody that's going to be there is going to be there. And, um, like they'll be like hungry for attack attack. So it's just like, we got a good shot to get them warmed up. And I think it's going to be fun. Gonna have everyone yelling like, feed me more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Done. (sighs) Perfect. Well, as we bring this podcast to its conclusion, one thing I'd like to do is give you a chance to say whatever you want to say, plug whatever you want to plug, promote whatever I promote at the end of the podcast. So my friend, the floor is yours. Oh man, uh, you can follow Outline and Color on pretty much everything. It's just Outline and Color as one word. On TikTok, we are TikTok in Color because somebody stole Outline and Color. It happens. First time in 10 years. <laughs> uh, 
We just dropped our album, Coast is Clear. It's available everywhere. We're going to be on tour next week through the first week of November with Attack Attack, Conquer Divide. And you should stream our new album. Perfectly said. Now it's time for me to end this podcast with three very specific things. First things first is when it comes to finding Outline and Color Online, when it comes to finding Coast is Clear Online to stream that shit, to download, to buy everything around there, and to get some merch from these guys because... I know you said for this tour, you had an $8,000 merch order. Let's make sure we sell some of that merch, right? Go to the description of the podcast. They find Outline and Color online. You're going to see links for everything for social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok in color because someone for some reason still Outline and Color first time in 10 years where you can watch music videos, where you can get the merch, you can get tickets for the Attack Attack Tour and also where you can stream music, listen to it, get into Outline and Color. It's all going to be down there for you with labels, so you know what link it is. Click on it. It'll take you right there. I'm doing all the, the research heavy lifting for you. I'm doing like 90% of the work. You just got to click and you're good. Done. And there. now, like, yeah, exactly. Now time for number two. Now, so whenever I have guests on the podcast that I enjoy having on the podcast, I tend to make a certain promise to them as a way to say thank you and I wish to continue to support the band any way I can. And my God, man, you hit on this one. Now, normally I start this up, this promise, not by saying if, because if implies it might not happen. I always start it with when, because when implies it's going to happen, date and time to be determined. But this time I actually do have a date and time because I'm seeing you on October 30th so, with Attack Attack like with a Conquer week. Divide. It was in like a week, basically. So when I can see you perform on that day, my friend, my promise to you is this. First round's on me. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I'm with it. So at some point, I'm going to be like, I'm going to probably see at the merch. I'll be like, alrighty, and here's your drink, and I will take one of those shirts, please, because I could always use another great shirt, right? I mean, wear it on the podcast. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're talking with some people. Outline in color right there. Boom. Done. I will say, uh, we did spend a lot of mar- on merch, but the merch that we have is some of the coolest merch we've ever had. So if you come up on a shirt, it'll definitely be a cool shirt. Oh, then we're coming up on a shirt. We're making it happen. So, as we're this podcast to inclusion, I cannot say goodbye for a number of reasons. One, I'm basically seeing you the week after we do this. I'm going to be in the pit freeze. I owe you that first round, and I'm getting me a freaking t-shirt as well because, well, if you're saying it's some of the coolest merch you ever came up with, well, duh, I got to get one. Why not? <laughs> Secondly, I would love to have you back in the podcast in the future because this was a hell of a lot of fun. And next time we have you on the podcast, Maybe you guys will actually be on the road with uh, Electric Callboy. Hopefully that time it happens. <laughs> Third time's a charm, right? That's right. That's right. So I cannot end this podcast by saying goodbye. That's, that's too final. I have to end by saying this. I'll see you later. See you later, man. Well, folks, I'm with Skaggs and that Outline and Color. Once again, their album, Coast is Clear, is available now for you guys to go check out everywhere. So make sure you guys go and do that. Stream that bad boy. It's my podcast. I hear you. Amazon, wherever you stream your music from. On top of that, make sure you go follow along on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. TikTok and Color. Do not forget that. I say do not forget that. Do not forget that. Check out the YouTube videos. Also, go buy some merch because they placed an $8,000 merch order for this tour. And now the tour is going to be like maybe half the day, maybe a third of the dates. Yeah, let's make sure we support these guys because those shirts are going to be sick. I should be wearing one right now, but I'm going my We Came as Romans one. Probably the next time you see me on a podcast that I do after the uh, Attack Attack tour day, yeah, I'll be wearing the Outline and Color shirt because I'm getting my one myself. So, oh yeah, and also go get tickets for that tour if you're still able to. 
Links for everything Outland Color are in the description of the podcast. Please remember to follow along with the Core Progression Podcast as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for your viewing pleasure. Please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube for all the crazy videos along with the YouTube shorts as well. You can also listen to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and wherever else you might be getting your podcast. Thank you, Britain Media, for putting us everywhere. Noah, you the man. So if you are subscribed, a gigantic thank you to you. If you are subscribing right now, I extend that giant thank you to you as well. If you're not subscribed, you're like, I don't want to. Please reconsider. If not, thank you for stopping by anyway. Appreciate having you here. And, man, this is just nice. So thank you for stopping by. You're always welcome back. I want to thank Manscaped once again. 27 free shipping code CPP at manscaped.com. description of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Skaggs. I appreciate having you on. And even though this episode's coming out two days after the uh, – Attack Attack Show, I'm going to be seeing you at. Yes, rock, baby! Also remember, first round's on me, my man. Ooh, yeah, so on that note, that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching to the Chord Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how I end every single one. So, like, healthy and hearty. See y'all!